Greetings, my friends, and welcome to another CarCast, Minute with Mark version. Not sure if I love these episodes or absolutely hate them. I think, I, I think I'm in the middle on them because the audio sounds so like I'm yelling, and that's because I'm yelling. Because I haven't figured out where this audio collects my voice, <laughs> if it's in my phone. So I'm in this uh, wireless deal. We got a, I've got a new Escalade. It's awesome. I love it. I actually love it. I've had it over a year, and I still love it every time I get in it. But anyway, I'm not sure where this microphone is, so I'm just kind of like yelling mindlessly while I drive. Anyway, so I took a few more questions from my backpack of scratch paper notes from our last event. Questions that uh, people that are marketers, they're in the mix, they're actively marketing, particularly on Facebook, had. And so in this episode, hopefully there'll be some value from a marketing perspective, and we'll see. So, grabbed a couple, here we are. Are there any, this is the question, are there any special attributes to target in Facebook ads to find a buying audience? So let's sum this up again. It says, are there any special attributes to target in Facebook ads to find a buying audience? The nicest thing about Facebook marketing is you get to narrow down people very specifically. You can narrow down people that love Purina puppy chow and they're women over 45 who love Purina puppy chow. They're also vegans and they love butterflies. And you can target and and make an ad that all those all those hoops have to interlock, and then that's when you sell the butterfly-inspired puppy chow that's vegan or something. Okay, so the the precision at which we get to market is it's at a level that it's never been, and this is why people are making millions of dollars online faster than they've ever made before. Because in the old days, you'd just place a newspaper ad and hopefully, you know, it'd be in the sports section and hopefully the, the cheap basketballs that your store was selling locally, it would work. You know what I mean? It just, we're in an era that is just, these are the best of times and they'll actually get more refined and even better. But anyway, the question is, are there any special attributes to target in Facebook ads to find a buying audience? Well, there's this concept called presuppositional thinking. Presuppositional thinking is to go one step behind, at least one step behind the question to find out what are the presuppositions, what are the assumptions that a person is making um, when they're making a statement. And so in this one, you know, the presupposition is that there's audiences that don't buy. There's no such thing in America of an audience that doesn't buy. People, and this is an important, this is an important macro belief as a marketer, is there's a concept called buyer's buzz. And it's something I subscribe to. And here's how it goes. And I think I made it up, but maybe I didn't. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Buyer's buzz is the rush that people receive from obtaining more stuff, okay? They purchase it, they get a new pair of shoes, that new, that new shoe smell, 
they feel a little more uh, a little more pep in their step and they get a buzz from the act of purchasing not just from the product but the act actual act of buying is a pleasurable activity this is another thing why online marketing is making wealthy people faster than ever before is when someone's at home it's 9:30 at night they're cuddled up in their bed or they're just kind of decompressing from the day they can hop online press a few buttons and give themselves a little adrenaline shot of a buyer's buzz they can buy stuff at all time they don't have to go shopping they don't have to park they don't have to meander they don't have to crowd you know work in the monstrosity labyrinth of a mall and they get to just hop online and purchase and give themselves that little that little happy pellet of purchasing a product so from a macro big perspective elevated view understand that all people love buying things now this is also this this truth is to is a beautiful statue so imagine this truth is a statue and it's that people and somehow the statue represents the the buzz and the chemical reaction in a person's body when they willingly eagerly buy something with the hopes it will provide them a new future result so that's a truth okay and if that's true you got to understand that selling in many 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 cases is an act of allowing people to feel better okay it's a uh, it's like a missionary service now right next to that statue is a is another truth and this other truth is that many people wake up and they have pre-committed to have buyers resistance they have pre-committed that that now is the time they're going to pack away their money they're going to quit paying for irresponsible things they're going to start saving money they're going to they're going to ratchet in their budget they're going to wrangle it in they're going to cut up their credit cards they're going to get out of debt and there's this thing called buyers resistance which many people depending on where they're at in their life have woke up and they're pre-committed to not buying things even though inside themselves when they buy things they feel happier and there's a very good chance that if they purchase the right kind of information or the right kind of product they could actually make more money in fact today i was just studying inside solomon's wisdom and there's a verse that says where there's no oxen so follow this remember what's the original author this is how you interpret and study ancient ancient work ancient writing is what did the original author who was the original author and what was the original intent to the original reader and once you can ascertain that and that's kind of an act of historical espionage to figure out what was the original context until you've nailed that you really you we really are unable to bring an ancient text into modern application with any with with real tr- authentic accuracy until we know what the ancient original author to the ancient original audience with the ancient original outcome that was intended until we can decode that we cannot synthesize translate bring it into modern and do anything value with it 
So in this ancient verse where there's no, uh, and it ties into this whole buying concept, okay? So the original author was a Solomon scribe, King Solomon, or something related to Solomon, Solomon's court, or the at least the Jewish tradition of wisdom, um, which includes a lot of wealth, of course. So it says, where there's no oxen, the manger is clean. Okay, that's that's verse at A. Where there's no oxen, the manger is clean, or the trough is clean, the barn is clean. But much increase, meaning a plentiful harvest, comes by the strength of an ox. Okay, so uh, being aware of this internal conflict that resides in all of us is a, just, we live in an in an economic planet, we live in a sexual planet, we live in a political planet, we live in a rational planet, we live in an irrational planet, we live in an agricultural planet, we live in a manufacturing planet. There's many layers of what we are we are as human beings. Uh, okay, I'm getting a little lost here, so I'm going to zoom it back in. But inside us, there's this conflict of not wanting to spend money and wanting to spend money and wanting to make money, but not wanting to spend money. There's this conflict in this ancient, the wisest man who ever lived, according to the legend, blessed by God himself, with witty inventions and clever thinking, says, where there's no oxen. Now, oxen is a very expensive animal. It was the equivalent of the ancient cultivator. It's the ancient harvester. It's the ancient tractor. That was the horsepower, literally the ox power, that would cultivate the fields, reap the fields. We, like the whole thing, the ox was the most expensive animal, okay? It was about the most expensive utilitarian animal. So what King Solomon is saying is where there's no ox, the trough is clean, meaning, hey, on top of purchasing it, it's very expensive to feed. So you got to maintain this purchase with all sorts of feed, veterinary bills, making sure it's healthy, making sure it's watered. And on top of that, the barn that you house this expensive animal in, or the manger, you got to protect it from wolves, you got to protect it from thieves, and it's going to crap and it's going to piss. Your barn is going to be a mess. So that's that's verse A. Verse B says, but a rich harvest comes through the strength of an ox. Meaning a rich harvest is powered by the purchase of that ox. So there's this, there's this kind of paradox, no pun intended. Where's my little sound cue with the little drum there? There's a paradox in this verse on an ox. And here's what it is. That was such corny humor. Anyway, not even humor. I'll, I'll disc I would tease a person if they made that joke. I would tease them to the ground. Anyway, so this is a conflict. And this all comes back to the question is what's the special attributes to find a buying audience? Well, everybody's a buying audience at all times. So the question is really how can you f create something that they want to buy? Yeah, it's a simple kind of a simpler answer. But anyway, back to this ox idea is Solomon is addressing this internal paradox inside the young Hebrew child who was destined, again, we're going original author to original audience. So this is to the young Hebrew child who entrepreneurial way of life was 
essentially the Hebrew way. The entrepreneurial life is very much the Jewish way. And so he's saying, you're not going to want to throw down because it's so expensive to buy an ox. And on top of the expense, it's so messy. And they crap and they piss and they're expensive to feed. But if you buy that ox, you're going to get a rich harvest. You might get rich if you buy that ox. Okay, do you see the deal? So what he's saying in, in this particular text is weigh your purchase and see if that purchase can lead to making money. And if that purchase can lead to making money, it might be a worthy investment. And there's a very different, and that's a creational purchase. Americans are in love, and I'm no exception. We love consumptive purchases. These are, these are activities and objects and stuff that we purchase and we're passive consumers of whatever that product supplies us. Now, creational purchases, these are purchases that are a form of asset creator. They're a form of wealth generator. Like if we were to carry the ancient meaning of that verse, into today, we would ask ourselves as entrepreneurs, what are, process, what are products, what are services, who are people, what is the information that if I buy, though it be expensive? So for instance, you're, if you're going to do an autoresponder, as a basic internet marketer, the cheapest you can get it is 20 bucks, 20 bucks a month. I think that allows you to get a thousand email email addresses inside of it and broadcast to it. You're going to have to main, it's $20 spend and you're going to have to maintain it. You're going to have to learn how to use it. And there's some skills that you're going to have to acquire to, to really have that be a happy animal that you purchase. But without the email autoresponder, you're not going to have, you know, trolls that opt in and goons that write reply just, the nastiest, most bizarre, anonymous, strange emails. Man, I could, I could write a short book that nobody would read because it's so vile and just evil in a hilarious, bizarre way of what certain, we're talking point, point, point something percentage, very rare. You know, we've had hundreds of thousands of people come through our email systems. But just, there's just crap and piss in having a big email business. So we, we make a lot of money through our email. Now, without the auto, now right now, monthly, we pay about 1000 to 1500 bucks a month to be able to mail emails. Now, but that, with that purchase and the maintenance of that purchase comes trolls that opt in, that are haters that are scammers, that are just vile, suspicious, weird. There's a little percentage of that. If you're going to be doing retail business to the world, you just are going to have trolls. Like some people estimate that one in a hundred people are psychopaths. Not one in a hundred act on it. None of them really manifest it all the way and turn into murderers or serial killers or anything like that. But they're essentially psychopathic in that they live in a world that just is not, it doesn't even come close to 
anybody's perceived reality. So they're just like labeled like psycho. We had a guy, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, the latest, the latest oddity was, this was months ago, but <laughs> we had a guy that replied to one of our affiliates that thought I was a fake person. Like I did, I, Mark Hoverson was a made up entity and that I was a paid actor and my kids were, my kids and wife were Photoshop model people that we just collaborated and we orchestrated a 500 person community of fake accounts with fake profiles to propel this farce of an idea that we are selling a real product. <laughs> he had this elaborate thing and he was a 97, we had a $97 product. And that's when I, as, as soon as I got that, I'm like, track this fool's uh, purchase behavior. What did he buy? And sure enough, he bought our cheapest product at 97 bucks. And I'm like, we're killing that product and we're never releasing it again. And we killed that whole offer. So one of the secrets about buyers is, you know, the cheaper your product, the more apt crazies will get in. You know, like if you have a really low product with a really high promise, <clears throat> it it tends to draw a little more lottery type person. And so... Um, food for thought in that. Okay. Anyway, this has been kind of fun to talk about. I'm already here. Um, and I think we're just going to wrap it up, but maybe there's, there may, there may have been a touch of value in that, but to wrap up that question, are there any special attributes to target and Facebook ads to find a buying audience? Um, the first, you know, the, the obvious secret is a buying audience. You want to say, what is your product and who buys that product? Who's that perfect buyer for that? Where's, where are those passionate people hanging out? Who are they liking on Facebook? I mean, that's really the breadcrumb trail to lead you to the proper fishing um, place to place ads. But then realize that I would say you can filter with by income. Um, it's a little known secret that Facebook, I believe it's with Experian, they actually share data with Experian, and Experian shared it, shares data with Facebook. And Facebook pretty much knows your credit score and your income earning ratio. They pretty much know it. And when you're targeting ads, you can place it on annual incomes. And I don't know if you can do it by credit scores. I think that might be a breach of, breach of privacy. But I think you can do it on estimated incomes. And so you can't serve a buyer that can't buy your product. You just can't. Like, you, how are you going to serve them? And you could say, well, you know, I can spend time with them and this and that. Well, if you spend time with the person that can't buy your product, you're not spending time with a person that can buy your product. So, you know, you got to – entrepreneurship requires accurate, clear thinking. And people that are heavy on fuzzy – just don't make it here. Like this is a very, this entrepreneurship is grounded in math. And so if you, and this is, uh, I've learned this the very hard way. Cause I've, I have a, a little bit of me as part fuzzy, like over the top spiritual and just magic making, thinking things into existence. And the weird thing is it works sometimes. And so I've, I kind of have a, have a playbook over there in the fuzzy land. And that one, it's worked so many times. I just kind of, it's the easier one too. I just get to imagine and think things and then they happen. Um, 
and those of you that know me personally know some of the stories and you've seen them and they're pretty insane. But by and large, the good, the Mark Hoverson that makes a bunch of money, that one is grounded in math. That one's grounded in reality. That one is, you know, Solomon writes that a rich man answers directly. Uh, most translations say a rich man answers roughly or harshly. In Hebrew, it'd be far, far, the, the, you know, and this is the deal when you're dealing with Bible translations. Most of the times, Bible translations, by the time they get to us in English, are come come across from a collective committee of interpreters who tend to be philosophers and spiritually minded people that just natively tend to be non-pro-wealth. And so they, they can take a verse like a rich man answers directly, but a, but a poor man answers with soft supplications. And they can tweak it to a rich man answers roughly. A rich man is cold hearted, but the poor speaks in soft tones. So it can it almost has an anti wealth kind of gloss over their interpretive um, mindset. But such is just the reality of uh, ancient interpretation in the way it is. But all that said, maybe there's some value. I'm here. I'm out. Carcast. Au revoir. Much love, gang.